We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's do some rapid fire. How about that? All right. So the Deadspin reporter, Tim Burke, again, interviewed in uh, the Manti Teo documentary. He claims that he slash Deadspin saw the story as a chance to expose mainstream media. The reporter, you know, says he thought it was going to be a story about how places like ESPN, Sports Illustrated, the New York Times fell for a hoax without properly fact-checking their stories. So do you buy or sell that as the motive, Bobby? I completely sell that because I think, I don't think it was them trying to call out ESPN or SI. And I think their selfish propaganda was to maybe that they had a real story because they were almost like page six before that, kind of like a we throw random stuff out. And this was a story to legitimize themselves and put themselves as the same as Sports Illustrated and ESPN. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a knock at them. I think it was more of how they could position Deadspin to be that brand that's almost like an edgier, more young, hip version, like almost before Barstool. They, I think that's what they wanted to be. They wanted yeah. to be the, the brand that competed with SI and ESPN, but in an alternative way. But they had to have this legitimate, earth-shattering story, and that's what they wanted. I don't think it had crap to do with them trying to expose ESPN or SI because well, it just doesn't make sense. I'm going to read. I went back and read the original Deadspin article You know, the, from January 16th, 2013 today, and I'll read you the lead here in a second. But I'll, I'll start with this because like, I do think that it is – at, at the very least, nice revisionist history for Burke to be saying this, but it also, sure. by saying this... He's had 10 years to come up with well, it. it. Well, it shelters him from potential, you know, lawsuits from someone like Manti. And, you know, and that's that's never been... Pers- you know, now there are obviously things that have to be proven. And, you know, if you're, you know... But let me just... I went back and I read the original story. Here's how it begins. This is from, this is the lead into the Deadspin story. Quote, Notre Dame's Manti Teo, the story said, played this season under a terrible burden. A Mormon linebacker who led his Catholic school's football program back to glory. Teo was whipsawed between personal tragedies along the way. In the span of six hours in September, as Sports Illustrated told it, 
Teo learned first of the death of his grandmother, Annette Santiago, and then the death of his girlfriend, Lene Kakua. Kakua, 22 years old, had been in serious car accident in California, and then she had been diagnosed with leukemia. SI's Pete Themmel described how Teo would phone her in her hospital room and stay on the line with her as he slept through the night. Quote, her relatives told him that at her lowest points, as she fought to emerge from a coma, her breathing rate would increase at the sound of his voice, Themmel wrote. So he points out, you know, uh, that there were a lot of, and we saw this in the documentary, there were a lot of discrepancies in when did Kakua actually die compared to when the grandmother died? Like if you looked at the ESPN story, the New York Times story, the SI story. Um, so I guess at least my point is like you completely sell that he was going after that. You know, like, and again, like you keep reading this, he starts to mention some of the other, you know, national traditional media outlets that I just mentioned, SI, ESPN, the New York Times. He definitely is taking shots at them in this. Now, you can also say that he's kind of, you know, like it got to a point. Here's what we know about Manti. He was an exceptional football player, expected first-round pick, devout Mormon at a Catholic school, adores his family. Here's another quote. But that's where the definite ends. From here, the rest of Teo's public story begins to grade into fantasy in the tradition of so much of Notre Dame's myth-making and with the help of a compliant press. Again, he's taking a shot at the press right there. Assembling a timeline of the Kakua-Teo relationship is difficult. As Teo's celebrity swelled, so did the pile of inspirational stories about his triumph over loss. Each ensuing story seemed to add yet another wrinkle to the narrative and details ran athwart one another, end quote. So like, again, like he's taking some shots at the media, but that right there to me kind of implies some complicity on Teo's part, I think. What do you think? Uh, again, I, I'm not going to back down. I think that Deadspin wanted to, Deadspin to be the, the part of the story. It, they took advantage of this kid that had a problem, and I, or a situation, not a problem, but and whoever got it would have that. But the, the fact that they did it, I don't think that they were like, again, I don't think they were taking shots. I think they wanted to join that club and this was their card into that. They had a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And so for them to even mention the other ones, number one, shouldn't mention number two in a competition like that. So right. the fact that they're reaching out, like at that point, there would never been an SI or ESPN that mentioned Deadspin until they broke this story. Then they had to attribute it to Deadspin. And you can't tell. I would like to know what their Twitter followers for Deadspin went from that week because it, it exponentially helped Deadspin for what they were. And I, it just it, it, the irony now is, you know, even less than 10 years later, Deadspin is dead, <laughs> you know, so. I don't think it is because I think they were taking shots and they weren't as good as they thought they were to begin with. So it, it's no surprise that 10 years later, they rode the wave and crashed out again. I yeah. I just think they wanted to, that was their one chance. And they you have to shoot your shot. There's a lot of money to be made there. And Tim Burke, who would know who he is? Where would you ever see him? if they weren't the ones that broke the Teo story. So I, I don't buy a single second that they were going against all of media. I think they were looking for a way to join that media club. I don't doubt that, you know, but. I, yeah. You're saying that they put little crumbs he, in their articles. Does, that could did, show he, that. I will say this, though. He did point out, again, he did this in the documentary. He did point out validly 
that there was a gross lack of fact checking on all of these national media outlets part in any of this. The story was told, the story, you know, like one one fable essentially stacked on top of another and the story kept going and nobody bothered to, you know, check the facts and all this. Like a simple, you know, because again, this is 2012. They were doing online obituaries in 2012. There's an obituary for Manti's grandmother. It's not very hard to find out that there was not an obituary for Lene Kakua, let alone an article or, you know, a news report or, you know, a police report, I guess I should say, a police report, because that would be easy to check. There is no police report that had Lene Kakua in a car accident. You know, so like two very easy things to fact check right there. And everyone just overlooked it and kept on running with it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I get what you're, I, I'm just anti Deadspin. No, I know, and, and I'm not. I'm and, not saying that in their right, defense. Right. I'm just but, saying that there are valid things so that he pointed I, out I was, about the lack of fact checking. I was just going to say, but I can understand that 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 was a lack of fact checking, and it really yes. was, you know, kind of shoddy. But like you're, I think when you're covering him, like any celebrity that's dating a non-celebrity, I don't care what this the story is. Google the non-celebrity. And everything that pops up on Google is going to be so-and-so is dating so-and-so. It's not going to be about that other person's life. <laughs> right. So, like, the right. fact you well, – I know yeah, that it could have been – Because, like, you know, my wife is really into, you know, like, Entertainment Weekly or whatever. Right. And, you know, all the different, you know, those kind of, you know, like, E! News and all the celebrity gossip and all those different kind of things. And, like, when Tony Romo was playing, she would ask me about, like, you know – Obviously, when Tony Romo was dating Jessica Simpson, everyone knew that because it was Jessica Simpson. But it's like, you know, what I thought about Tony Romo's new girlfriend. And I'm like, Tony Romo has a new girlfriend. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a sports fan. I don't care what happens off the field. I only have, you know, I only care about what goes on when they're between the lines. 
I don't oh. care about this other fluff stuff, you know, and that's, sure. that's how, cause you know, again, like you go back to this, there wasn't a whole lot of local attention paid to this. It was more from the national level. I think that this came up. Right. But I'm saying that like they've, they created their own Google net that like you couldn't Google her because all that would come out was that she was Manti's girlfriend or was dead. Yeah. So you would, you would have to go so to it was the all exact sort of city where it happened. Yeah. yeah. That's, and the, I'm or, not, or so why would you, or you had to be Tim Burke with his computer you know, web. And cause again, he, he you, did, he did all of his work sitting in his house basically. Months later, though, because nobody quite even Deadspin, even Tim Burke, it wasn't like they thought, hey, I wonder, let's do some fact checking. They got tipped off. So it wasn't even their idea to start doing the tipping right. off. So I, 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 gonna, do wish, I do gonna, wish we know who the who the tipper, who the tipster was. I don't know <laughs> if they ever found that out. That would have been. Um, but like, you know, who's going to think about this poor kid going through all this? Because he was very genuine through it. And as a guy that covered him, you and me both. We never questioned it. We never even thought to question it. Why would you question a kid going through that kind of tragedy? So <laughs> we got we got a better call Saul reference. Jeeves. Stymie 2012. Just ask Jeeves. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so I don't I don't I, there was some obvious fact checking that could have been done, but you're also looking at a situation. Why would you fact check that a guy's girlfriend died when he's a legit dude who's been nothing but awesome right, this entire who, time and a great man? Who, so yeah, I, I understand where they're coming right from. in every other interaction, you know, seemingly forthright in every other interaction. that you. And we had already accepted that he was dating her. Like, you know, yeah. we'd already heard about her. We already knew she had cancer. So the fact that she passed, we're not really thinking about, oh, I wonder if we should just let's go look at the obituary. No, you know, obviously there's some holes there in the catfish story. But yeah. so the fact that Deadspin made themselves part of the story, I guess you have to. Whoever's going to uncover it's going to. I just. It's not like uncommon, it. though. It's not uncommon. You know, I know. For, I understand for, it. For a certain kind of reporter, it's not uncommon. But you talk about who needs to apologize the most, and Deadspin gained the most, so maybe they're the ones that should be apologizing. Yeah. Deadspin, for at least the way they, they yeah. treated it. And but not, they never would. They never would, and they never will. Because, like, in their mind, and this is this is how the mind of most of these reporters work, the story is the only thing that matters. And, like, when they got this tip, it became a challenge you know, based on all this information they got in that email, it became a challenge to get to the bottom of this. And as they as they started going down these rabbit holes again, they found it out pretty quickly. The story is all that matters to the reporters. The story and how accurately and how much you can back up, you know, what you're presenting. And they tried to call Manti. They tried to call the school. They tried to call Renaya. Couldn't get any official comment with that. So they went with what they got. And whether we like it or not, and whether, you know, whatever angle they were pursuing at first, it all ended up being true. Yeah. It, and I, the the way that everything hit, the timing of it, the, the Heisman Trophy, the championship game, the fact that Catfish was a relatively new thing. Again, and Teo was a budding celebrity, budding star. All of it just hit at exactly the right time for the exact right nerve. Because if that happened yeah. in August, you might not have even heard about it as much. The mm -hmm. fact that it came out during the national title Middle of the season, right after. And yeah, that, Michigan State. And, and I'm yeah. trying to remember, was that the same time, the same year that Brian Kelly was flirting with the Eagles? Yeah, well, that was in December or, I guess, January right after the national or before after the national championship. I think it was yep. just after. Same time. The, same time. Yeah, so it was it was crazy that how much Notre Dame was in the public eye already. Right. And then, like, 
the coach is already flirting. And then plus Notre Dame in general. So polarizing, I think they needed to touch on that a little bit more that no, this guy from yeah, Notre I mean, Dame, that, like, that, that fueled a lot of the, the anti manti as well is, is yeah. the fact that he played for Notre Dame. Not, not just that it happened to some guy. Cause if it happens to in a Oregon, guy from Iowa even, state, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. So it's just, I think, and the reason we can do a whole hour on it, we've had a lot of comments about it. It's, this story still matters uh, 10 years later. It's still, you remember where you were. You remember going through it, you know, either thinking you're on his side or not. It's just wild. Yep. All right. Let's, let's switch topics because like you said, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about the Manti documentary. And again, I, I it was a pretty good documentary. I it was very, yeah, very documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so as of today, Notre Dame's a 15-point underdog in the season opener against Ohio State. Let's talk about something actually on the field. Where are you going to put your money, Bobby? Notre Dame plus 15 at Ohio State, according to FanDuel Sportsbook as of today. Oof. <laughs> I guess I will take – I got to take Notre Dame with that money or with those points for that money. Um, one, just – just the way the betting world works. Yeah, with those odds, sure. But I think – I don't think Ohio State's quite as good as people think they are every year. I think last year they took a small step backwards. So it'll be interesting to see. Notre Dame has a bunch of question marks on their own. But to say the game won't be within two touchdowns, I think it's just unfair, disrespectful. More than two Dame. touchdowns even at 15. Yeah. yeah. So I, I completely would take Notre Dame in the points. I agree with like, you as well. That's an like, interesting number, though. Yeah. 15 is a lot. You know, it has been a lot over the course of the summer, but they are still 15 right now. I would I would jump on it as well because, as you see, there's still, whether you've got a new defensive coordinator or not, there are still some issues with what they've got. Like, there were issues with Ohio State's linebackers last year. They got run over by both Oregon and Michigan. So, you know, un unless they're drastically switching up personnel, whether you got a new defensive coordinator or not, that's an issue. And I think that I think that that Notre Dame offensive line has got something to prove this year. And we've talked about Chip Harry on their shoulder, huh? That's right. We've talked about Harry Heastan, and and you know we've heard from Al Washington, the defensive line coach, about how there's some battles going on during training camp between those two lines. We knew the defensive line was good, and uh, that offensive line is more than holding its own. And then Marcus Freeman said today that, uh, you know, the biggest thing that he's encouraged with is his offense is the development of a running game. And that is obviously <laughs> something that was completely, not completely, but pretty absent last year. They could not run the ball consistently. Like if, if, if they could run the ball at all, they could have run some clock in that Fiesta Bowl, and maybe we're you know looking at a different outcome. But that's going to be different this year, and you're getting you've got a dynamic quarterback added into the mix who's going to be a big part of that as well. So I like that plus fifteen for Notre Dame. I would uh, I would that's where I would be dropping my dimes. And last year, their best run of the season was against North Carolina, and the line completely broke down, and he had to break three tackles to go ninety six yards or whatever. So you know. Yeah, always hit the like button. Um, <laughs> I I don't see, especially a, a game with so many variables, just to put that spread so big. I, another fun bet, and I don't know the number, uh, last year you asked me Notre Dame's wins for the season over under 
it's always a fun one to discuss at this point in the season, but there's a lot of question marks. I think there's more question marks this year than there were last year. See, I don't think so. I think there were more last year than there are this year. I think the biggest question this year was what was going to happen with that offensive line. I think, you know, now there's some depth issues and stuff like that, but that offensive line is going to be seriously better than last year's. Well, that's not saying a whole lot either. (laughs) Seriously better, though. You're saying they're going to be a major improvement. But like I'm saying this year, you have a coaching staff that's a lot of question marks. Your quarterback's new. That's a big question mark. You know, you lost a lot at receiver, so there's some question marks. Whereas last year, I think the only question mark really was the offensive line. And Notre Dame, you figured if you look down their schedule, they should win most of their games, and they did. On average, Bobby, seven teams that start the season ranked in the top 25 will be out of the top 25 by season's end. So what three teams in this year's top 25 will you guarantee will not be ranked at the end of the season? Man, that's a tough... Do you have the list or do you need me to read any of these? I'm looking up the list you sent me. You sent okay. Me so, okay. <laughs> Somewhere in here. Okay, so Notre Dame, I think they'll still be ranked. I think Utah falls out. I think Baylor falls out. I think NC State falls out. I think USC falls out. I think Pittsburgh falls out. I think Arkansas falls out. Kentucky falls out. Wake falls out. BYU falls out. Well, that's more than that's more than three. So you're giving me all seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just think there's there's a whole, especially towards the bottom. It's kind of a it's a fun talking point, but like Kentucky, they had their run. They're not going to be very good this year, so they fall out. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you got like Michigan State. They're going to have to play a lot of tough games. I don't know if they can stay in with losses. And then a team like Baylor, I think they fall out because I think part of it's that they're going to lose a few games and their conference isn't strong enough that after they lose those few games that they have enough points to get back in. Um, and then BYU is always ranked 25th to start the year, every year. And then they, they, you know, they flirt with it a little, but they always end up dropping out. See, someone's giving you a hard time here. You only needed three. You know, and, and of course, Bobby ran through his whole list there. So uh, just, um, I, I think the thing with the with the two Pac-12 teams, Utah and USC, you know, again, there are questions with USC's lines, but they've got <laughs> enough. They've got enough skill talent on offense and the new head coach playing in the Pac-12, even if they lose two or three games, which they probably will. They should still be in the top 25 by the time the season's over. The same with Utah. I think Utah is, you know, and that's it's a a big part of the the two seasons of both of those for both of those teams are going to come down to that game. I think Utah probably wins because they're going to be much more physical up front. But so I I, I still like both of them to be ranked as much as I would like to say uh, USC get out of here and that kind of thing. I think Pittsburgh is going to fall out. You know, you just lost a generational quarterback to the NFL draft, Kenny Pickett, and Pat Narduzzi thinks that, you know, he's he's built some kind of dynasty there in Pittsburgh. Okay, Pat Narduzzi, uh, we know you like to talk a lot. You know, you got a contract extension. Let's see you actually go out and do it two years in a row because now all of a sudden, oh, we could win the Big Ten and, and the whole thing. Okay, Pat Narduzzi. Let's see. I think Pitt's going to be out. I agree with you. I think Kentucky is going to be out. I just think it's too hard really to win at either one of those places in back-to-back years. And I'll I'll put Miami in there as well. Like Cristobal is going to be good in the long run, but I don't see him making a huge impact 
in year one. So those will be the three teams that I'll pick, Miami, Pitt, and Kentucky. Yeah, and I don't know. I, you see BYU, and they have to have a, some key wins to stay in there. I don't see that happening for them. I I know that the, I don't like preseason rankings in general. They're just talking points for matchups on television. But, um, yeah, and plus the top 60 teams are offered bowl games, so you really got the top 25. It's an arbitrary number, but I think yeah. of all those that were mentioned, I think Kentucky's the number one that I'm like, there's no chance they can survive the SEC and still be ranked at the end. And now I would probably put Texas in that group as well. They were not ranked in the AP. They are in the coaches poll. So like if you wanted to use, you know, both polls, you can include Texas. You know, Texas is just, I mean, that's, they're, they're just Texas. They're, they're back every year. Let's, let's see them actually be back. Well, they just got to hang around for one more year till they get Manning in the fold, and then that's going to be their key to success. Or Sarkeesians, there you go. There you Sarkeesians go. either going to sink or swim with that. Shot to the top, skyrocket high. Okay, yeah. Barrett, this is kind of a fun one here. Barrett Sully from CBS Sports and XM Radio tweeted a list of X, uh, SEC coaches, rather, a list of SEC coaches. He ranked them from 1 to 14 in the order he thinks they could win a fight. So here we go. Brian Harson from Auburn is number one. Clark Lee, he's got number two. Mark Stoops is three. Kirby Smart is four. Billy Napier from Florida is five. Shane Beamer at South Carolina is six. Arkansas's Sam Pittman is seven. Ole Miss Lane Kiffin is eight. Eli Drinkwitz from Mizzou is nine. Josh Heupel at Tennessee is 10. Jimbo Fisher at AM is 11. Then Nick Saban. Brian Kelly at 13. And Where's he's he got. From? <laughs> and he's got Mike Leach bringing up the rear, the old pirate down at the bottom at number 14. So my question to you, Bobby, that's one through 14. And this is, he's ranking these guys based on who would win a he, fight, who would win a fight. So who's ranked too high? Who's ranked too low? Well, I think that uh, Lane Kiffin at number eight is way too high. That guy looks like he has a punchable face that everybody yes. would jump on. I don't yes. see him throwing one back. I just see him eating a knuckle sandwich. I, I don't see him being resilient. I think he'd punch him once and he'd start crying and pouting. I don't see um, him lasting in a fight. And then another one I think is too high would be Nick Saban. The guy's 97 years old. You really think he's going <laughs> to win in a fight? Who's Nick Saban fighting that he can throw a punch? He can barely well, stand at the podium 12, to give though. his I damn mean, uh, press conference every week. Somebody's got, like, like between Nick Saban and Brian Kelly, because he's got Saban at 12, Kelly at 13. Who are you going to take in that? in that little back alley brawl. Kelly's I got Saban. I got to go with Kelly. Like I say, you see Nick Saban running around or anything? No, Kelly gets animated. He screams. He's got that Irish anger in him. He does have that there's a lot going for him where Saban would be like, well, okay. Yeah, he's got that alley cat temperament. That's for sure. But I don't know. I still think, you know, Saban looks like he's in a little bit better shape. I know BK, you know, has done some yoga and stuff over the years well brian kelly's in great shape he's been dancing with recruits on videos all off season true true obviously a joke there but then the one ranked too low i would say mike leach does anybody really want to get in a fight with that madman <laughs> i don't think i'd want to see him in a dark alley i think he's got size he can absorb the punches i believe i think he can like outthink you he'll make you think and start punching yourself or something he's crazy he's a madman that's a guy i don't want to mess with it'd be like messing with john daly on a golf course now, you know, like some of these other guys, like Harson, Clark Lee's obviously 
in really good shape. You know, again, like you talk about temperaments, you know, like Stoops was taking shots at John Calipari last, you know, we were, we were talking about that earlier. <laughs> Kirby smart. I don't know about at number right, four <laughs> Napier is like another guy who's in pretty good shape, you know? So we're talking about some of these younger guys. I think maybe Sam Pittman is a little bit high at number seven. I agree with you. Kiffin is too high. Probably Drinkwitz, though, for sure. Like Drinkwitz just looks like I saw him at SEC media days and he's got his diet Coke and it's like, he's, he's glad he looks like he, he came from like the corporate world, I think, and, and got into coaching and that's looks like where he should be. Drinkwitz. I think he's got to be number 14 on this list. I think Jimbo Fisher is way too low. Like Jimbo, you know, like, you can say what you want about like where, you, you know, like his shots going back and forth with Saban and all that in an actual <laughs> alley fight. I would put Jimbo pretty high on this list. I would There's, put him right up there. Well, Vince Dario, he, he said, where would you put Freeman on this list? That's an interesting one. I'd put him in the top at least eight. He'd be ahead of Kiffin for sure. He's 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 ahead of. Kirby Smart for me. He's ahead of Mark Stoops yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got size on Clark Lee. You know, I don't know. I don't think Clark Lee wrestled. You know, he played football. He played baseball. Like if Clark Lee with that build, if he had been a wrestler, I would take, you know, I would take him over Marcus Freeman, but I don't think he was. So I would, I think I'd take, I, Freeman would definitely be in my top four if we were, you yeah. know, if, if he was going to be in this mix. I think I'd put him at number three, probably. And then the only other name that I could think of that isn't a coach, but you kind of got to throw him out there is Ogeron. Where would you put that guy? Oh, he... Ed Ogeron. That's I, right. I, I'd be in the top 14 at least. <laughs> He'd have to be top 14. He'd be ahead of, of – I can't believe Nick Saban's even on this list. You breathe on that old man, he'd fall down. <laughs> He's got to be close to your age, Sean. Uh, oh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> Fill in the blank on this last one. I didn't realize we had come to the end. It's blank that more people watched the Seahawks-Steelers preseason game the other day than watched a regular season Yankees-Red Sox game. It's a sign of the times. I I don't think it's surprising at all. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, any that's why we have the USFL. What about the USFL? How many of their games compared to baseball games? I think in baseball, especially if it's like Red Sox, Yankees, unless you're a fan of the team, how many people actually will sit down and watch just two neutral teams play? Whereas football, we're so thirsty for any th football content that I think anybody anybody would watch anything football related. So yeah. I think it's just a sign of the times. And it's baseball is just not a national sport anymore because I'm sure in New York and Boston. You know, like local local TV for baseball does great. National TV does not. So it's almost apples to oranges at this point. You know, again, mm -hmm. I, I'm sure in New York and Connecticut and Massachusetts, obviously, and in, in New England, I'm sure that a lot of people were watching those games because those are two of the best baseball markets there are in the country. But, you know, you're sitting here. It's football. People are hungry for football. People are probably watching this one because you've got all this legalized sports wagering across the country, so people have got some action on it, even on preseason games, one right. way or the other. And two, you're getting ready for fantasy football, so it's like you're you're tuning in, trying to figure out who am I going to draft in my fantasy football draft. So I'm I not guess. I'm not surprised by it at all, but it 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 does seem odd that you know like the biggest rivalry 
in baseball was less watched nationwide than a preseason NFL football game. Week one NFL preseason football. It'd be game. interesting to see the quarterlies on this because I think the, the always the thought is that the Yankees and Red Sox go so damn long with their games. They play each other 19 times and it's five hours long every time versus the football. It's new. It's back. But the, the thing that's weird is that it's one of the most storied matchups in baseball versus a random two pairing of NFL. It's not like it was even big NFL teams. So I guess it's kind of interesting. I wonder how long people stayed around with the NFL game after halftime and how many tuned in to the end of the Yankees-Red Sox game maybe. But just overall, the numbers don't surprise me at all. Bobby, we've come to the end, and it's the end of the week for the show. That's you know, another week down the drain. That's right, baby. Vince One and I are going to be out. Football. Yep, Vince and I are going to be out at Notre Dame tomorrow watching a little Notre Dame football practice. So uh, we'll have some of that on next week's show, some things that we see. Brian Driscoll, of course, will have some on uh, his shows over the next couple of days as well. Two weeks from Saturday, kickoff, baby. It's coming. And I think Brian and I were talking. I think that you know Vince and I are going to be doing this game day show every Saturday morning before Notre Dame games, I think next week we are going to do kind of like a preseason show. So if you play your card rights, cards right, maybe we'll even let you come in and, and be a part of that. I'll give you something to say. We need some comic relief. <laughs> yeah, looks aren't everything. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you being here. Like, rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next Monday, Bobby. I will talk to you later. Ivy Nation Sports Talk.